this is Charlie Stumbaugh, the lead pastor of Cornerstone Church, Colorado. Thank you for being with us today. Be sure to subscribe for our weekly content to encourage your faith. Let's listen in as Pastor Matt brings the message. Hey there, friends. Welcome to Cornerstone's podcast. I'm glad that you have stopped by. Today, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through chapter 6, verse 9. And I've titled my sermon today, One Big Happy Family. Now, normally I don't give a title um, to my sermons a lot of time, but but I think it's really appropriate to what we're looking at in Scripture. I also want to wish everyone a happy 4th of July. Um, today is a great day. should be a beautiful day to be out with friends, family, enjoying this holiday. As we begin today, I want to ask a question. What do you think of when you hear the words respect, honor, and serve? For many of you, maybe you think of our military, law enforcement, or fire service, EMS, those sorts of things, which is appropriate, right? A lot of times, I'm sure we've all seen patrol cars rolling around that say, you know, protect and serve on on the side of them. This is an overarching theme, um, even within our military. And I do want to take just a minute to show honor to the men and women who have served and are currently serving in our armed forces. On this day, 4th of July, as a nation, we celebrate the freedoms that are provided to us by the men and women who serve in uniform. So if you serve or you have served in the armed forces, I would just want to I just want to give a sincere thank you. Um, the freedoms that we have are because of the sacrifices that you were willing to give or are currently giving. So thank you for that. Um, very much. And as we celebrate today, Independence Day, we can look at these words and we can apply them to our country, I think, respect, honor, and serve. If we're honest, we don't always see it. There are issues um, that our country still is, is fighting through, but I think that these are overarching themes that can be seen within our country, And I think it's something that can be seen within relationships. You know, according to the U.S. Army, they say that honor is embodied by living the values that come with showing respect. Well, how does this apply to a family? When you hear respect, honor, and serve, does it make you think of your family? Does it make you think of your mama? Does it make you think of maybe a friend's family? Maybe your family dynamic didn't look this way, didn't operate out of respect and honor and serving each other. But you had a friend or you knew of someone else who you saw that within their family unit. These are qualities that should be seen within the family model, within any relationship dynamic. These are qualities that we should try to embody in our daily lives. And as we turn to Ephesians 5, verse 21, we see Paul addressing this idea of serving, of showing respect. Picking up in verse 21, he says, be willing to serve each other out of respect for Christ. That's a great place to start. We serve each other. Why? Out of respect for Christ. 
We don't do it out of selfish gain. We don't do it out of, out of anything else, friends. It should come from this respect and love for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul continues in verse 22. He says, wives, be willing to serve your husbands the same as the Lord. And husbands, or it says, a husband is the head of his wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the Savior of the church, which is his body. The church serves under Christ. So it is the same with you wives. You should be willing to serve your husbands in everything. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives the same as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. He died to make the church holy. He used the telling of the good news to make the church clean by washing it with water. Christ died so that the church could, so that Christ died so that he could give the church to himself like a bride in all her beauty. He died so that the church could be holy and without fault, no evil or sin or anything wrong in it. And husbands, you should love your wives like that. They should love their wives as they love their own bodies. The man who loves his wife loves himself because no one ever hates his own body, but feeds and takes care of it. And that is what Christ does for the church because we are parts of his body. And scripture says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and join his wife and the two will become one. The secret truth is very important. I'm talking about Christ and the church, but each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself and a wife must respect her husband. Chapter six, verse one. Children, kids, you don't get off, you don't get out of this one. He says, children, obey your parents the way the Lord wants because this is the right thing to do. The command says, you must respect your father and mother. This is the first command that has a promise with it. And this is the promise. Then all will go well with you and you will have a long life on earth. Fathers, don't make your children angry but raise them with the kind of teaching and training you learn from the Lord. Slaves, obey your, your masters here on earth with fear and respect, and do this with a heart that is true. Just as you obey Christ, you must do this not just, not just to please your masters while, you, while they are watching, but all the time. Since you are really slaves to Christ, you must do with all your heart, you must do everything with all your heart because that's what God wants. Do your work and be happy to do it. Work as though it is for the Lord that you are serving, not for some earthly master. Remember that the Lord will give everyone a reward for doing good. Everyone, slave or free, will get a reward for the good things they do. Masters, in the same way, be good to your slaves. Don't say things to scare them. You know that the one who is your master, it says, I'm sorry, it says, you know that the one who is your master and their master is in heaven and he treats everyone the same. Now, let's address the elephant in the room. In the 21st century, these verses have gotten a bad rap. 
In society, these verses are viewed as old-fashioned or sexist. Some have read this and only seen um, discrimination or acceptance of culturally insensitive issues. While we as Cornerstone Church do not support discrimination or sexism, we cannot begin to have a conversation about this passage seeing it through a 21st century lens. To understand Scripture, to appropriately apply these teachings to our life, we need to see them as they were originally written. We need to dig in and look at the culture and time in which they were written. If we are only willing to take from these verses what we want to support our agenda outside of Christ's agenda, we are guilty of misrepresenting Scripture. We're guilty of misrepresenting God's heart. So to understand what is written in these verses, I think we need to understand the first century family dynamic. As I was studying this week, I came across an article online that posed two questions regarding these verses in an effort to help us understand them better. The first question asked is, does the Bible define a family and excuse me, does the Bible define an ideal family relationship? What do you think? Do you think that what scripture represents as a family unit is an ideal family relationship? Or does it provide guidance for dealing with the family situations in the day that it was written in? And to add a third question that was not in the article, if the Bible offers guidance for dealing with the family dynamic in the day it was written, how does that help us today? We all come from different backgrounds and upbringings, different family identities from different geographical locations that have impacted how we see life, how we live life. But even in our current day, most families are seen through the traditional household, a husband and a wife and their children. But this is about as far as it goes in comparing families from first century Rome with our present day. While the family dynamic might look similar, wives and children didn't experience the same freedoms as husbands, as men. Women and children were predominantly voiceless and overlooked. Now, a good husband, a good father, probably listened to his wife and his kids. He probably loved them, probably worked hard to take care of them. But the man still had the final word. And within the culture, women and children were viewed as lesser, weaker, or not as important as a man. So here comes Paul taking what was culturally accepted and throwing it out the window. And looking at, an, at this issue through his unique lens of this might have been how you used to do things, but because of Christ, things have changed, even within the family dynamic. Paul is, be, Paul is beginning to bring his teaching on this new community in Christ to a close in these verses. And in his process of narrowing down the finer details of our relationship with Christ and its impact on our life, Paul zooms all the way in on the relationship seen within the family. He says, because of Christ, 
What once chained us to the law has now been broken. Freedom has come to those who believe. But how does that freedom manifest in our closest relationships within the family unit? Is there a key principle that can and should be applied to all relationships, especially our closest relationships? What draws out of us respect and honor and service? Paul tells us that the answer is submission. Not because we're told to submit, but a willingness to submit to one another out of respect for Christ. Within our families, within our friendships, even within our work relationships, we must submit to each other out of reverence towards our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, to live like free people, but don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Live as those who are serving God. Out of that submission, right? God tells us in verse 17, he says, show respect for all people. Love your brothers and sisters in God's family. Respect God and honor the king. That applies to husbands, that applies to wives, that applies to children's children, that applies to an employer and employees. Now, this is not this is not the creation of a hierarchy within a family or within a community of believers or even within, within a work dynamic, I believe. Paul's not suggesting a rating system. It's not about classism, right, to place certain people above others. That that mindset is reverting back to the old way of thinking, of, of depending upon the law to set the standard of our freedom. No, freedom has been given through Christ, and this freedom puts us on an even playing field. Scripture's not saying that husbands are more important are more valued than wives. In fact, Peter goes on and he tells us, he tells the reader in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, that husbands should show respect to their wives because God gives them the same blessing he gives you, the grace of true life. Paul tells us that in every permanent relationship, husband and wife, parent and child, boss and employee, that someone has to assume responsibility. We, we all can't just be on the same playing field. You know, when, back in Missouri, when when my wife and I were on the fire department there, you know, we would show up on a scene and white helmets always represented our chief or assistant chief. And they were always there because there had to be leadership. There had to be somebody taking responsibility for everything that was going on. And we even find that in all dynamics, all relationships. And when this text was written, the role, the role fell to the husband. This was the cultural norm in early Roman society. It's what we are reading, seeing in these verses. And so often we can get so focused on those dynamics from a different time and a different culture that we lose sight of the fact that Paul is telling us that the person holding the responsibility doesn't get off easy. No, that person with the authority has to be careful to not abuse it. 
not to use it as an excuse to do evil. This kind of teaching had to be revolutionary in the first century Rome. This idea was is a part of what makes the gospel of Jesus Christ so unique, so life-changing, so life-giving. Now, fast forward 2,000 years, and while the family dynamic might look similar, culturally, roles have changed. They have expanded and become more inclusive. While the qualities and abilities between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, might have a variance, roles and responsibilities have intertwined. You know, I'm proud of the man that I am. My parents raised me right. I'm proud of the husband that I am, the father that I am. I've worked hard to um, be a good father and a husband. I'm proud of the employee that I am. And the responsibility that comes with those roles are important and are not something that I take lightly. But culturally, the responsibility doesn't just fall solely on my shoulders. You know, in my home, Misty and I co-lead, and I think that's okay. I lean on her strengths, which help cover some of my weaknesses, and she leans on my strengths, which help cover some of her weaknesses. Now, there are homes where this is not the case, where the husband is the lead, and I believe that that's okay as long as it is agreed upon by both the husband and the wife. It's okay to figure out the dynamic within your family, what works best, what is most respectful and honoring. But it cannot be an excuse to abuse your responsibility or authority. So yes, wives, you should submit to your husband as scripture tells us. But husbands, you need to understand that her submission is something you earn. It's not demanded. You earn it by loving your wives the way Christ loved the church. He was willing to sacrifice everything for her. He was willing to, to do the heavy lifting to put her on, to put her first, willing to protect, willing to uplift her. Husbands, you earn your wife's submission by showing respect, by honoring your bride, by willingly serving her. But husbands, it doesn't end there. You need to be willing to submit to your wives as well. But listen, listen to me, wives. Your husband's submission doesn't come from emasculating him. It doesn't come from women's rights or because it is demanded of your husband. No, wives, you earn your husband's submission. You earn his submission by showing him respect, by honoring him as your husband, as a man. By willingly serving him. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 11 through 12, he says, In the Lord, the woman needs the man, and the man needs the woman. This is true because woman came from man, right? Eve was, was created. God took the, the rib bone from Adam and created a helpmate for Adam, created Eve. Says that woman came from man, but also man is born from woman. Then Paul says, but if you really want to get down to the nuts and bolts of it all, he says, really everything comes from God. That's the priority. That's the focus of every family dynamic, or it should be. Everything comes from God, so our focus should be on God. Now, kids, you don't get off the hook here, right? 
Because Paul addresses you in Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 1. And through Paul's words, God says, children, obey your parents the way the Lord wants, because this is the right thing to do. You must respect your father and mother. This is the first command that has a promise with it. Did you hear that? This is, it has a promise with it. The promise is that life will go well within your family dynamic. There will be great opportunities for health, for connection, for guidance, but it comes from an attitude of obeying and respecting your parents. But parents, you as well, Paul tells us, says you don't have an excuse to abuse your authority over your kids. It applies to all relationships, husband and wife, parent and child, employer and employee. There has to be a level of submission that we are willing to submit to other people. In every relationship, friend, personal, social, or professional, there's no excuse for us abusing responsibilities or authority. We are expected to submit to each other in this life, and we do this out of respect for Christ. Friends, even the highest leader, the most powerful authoritarian within our government or within any country around the world should submit to others. We can see when it doesn't happen, and we can see all the turmoil and hardship that comes with it. To live our best life, to enjoy the freedoms God has given us, we need to do it through a willingness to submit to others out of respect for Christ. But there's a pattern to submission that we should follow in an effort to show respect and honor and servitude. And I think it's a pretty simple pattern. First, we must submit to God. James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 says, Submit yourselves to God. Stand against the enemy. Clean the sin out of your lives. Follow God. Make your thinking pure. God is our example. His characteristics and love needs to be on display in our lives, but we can't display those things if we have not first submitted to God. We've got to submit to his teachings, his principles, and his love, which is true love. So to show respect, honor, to serve others, it begins by submitting to God. Secondly, we need to humble ourselves. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, when God appeared to Solomon, he said, If my people will respond by humbling themselves, praying, seeking my presence, and turning their backs on their wicked lives, I'll be ready for them. I'll listen from heaven, forgive their sins, and restore their land to health. But none of this, friends, none of this can come to us if we're not willing to humble our lives. Without humility, our lives are misaligned. Our lives are out of focus. Our lives are unhealthy. Without humility, we are not living our best lives. To serve others, show respect and honor to all people, we need to climb down off of our self-imposed statue and humble ourselves. And it's only when we humble ourselves that we are then able to live up to the third point is that we must put others first. The pattern, friends, is that we've got to submit to God. We have to humble ourselves and we have to put others first. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, in whatever you do, 
Don't let selfish pride be your guide. That's a good one to remember right there. Don't let selfish pride be your guide. Be humble and honor others more than yourselves. Don't be interested only in your own life, but care about the lives of others too. It doesn't mean that we cannot enjoy the things that we love to do or our own interests, but we can't, it can't take like priority in our life. It can't be the very first thing or the only thing that we're always doing. We've got to think of other people. How we submit to others, how do we submit to others if we're only thinking of ourselves first or just ourselves? How can we serve or show respect or honor others if we're not thinking about others? Wives, you cannot show your husband respect and honor if you're not willing to submit to God, humble yourself, and put others first. Husbands, you cannot serve your wife, truly love your wife, if you're not willing to submit to God, humble yourself, and put others first. Kiddos, You will never find balance, that healthy relationship with your parents, if you're not willing to submit to God, humble yourself, or put others first. It goes to the professional realm as well. We have to be willing, friends, in this life to live a life of submission. And it happens by submitting to God, humbling ourselves, And putting others first. Friends, this is how we live a life of submission. And we do this. We pursue a life of submission out of respect for Jesus Christ. Friends, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, God. I thank you for the challenge it gives to us today. Submission is not easy. For some of us, in some relationships, it comes very easy. But if we're honest, I would say that there's a relationship that we have probably all been a part of, or maybe we're even living out right now, where where it's not easy. And submitting to someone else is far from what we want to do. But to be able to live a life where we can show respect and honor, where we can have a heart, where we want to serve people, we have to do it from a life of submission, where we are willing to submit to you, God, where you are willing to help humble us and help us put other people first. Lord, I pray that today, the rest of this week, God, that this would not be the first conversation we have about the issue of submitting to others, but God, it would be a conversation that we would willingly have with friends, with family, with our kids, kids with your parents. God, let us represent you. Let us reflect you in all we do and all we say. So God, I thank you for this word. I pray that it, your, your, your words would seep into the marrow of, of our bone, God, and that we would live out our best life, which is only found in you. I pray that your peace and your hope would rest on our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, thanks for swinging by the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I hope that you have an amazing 4th of July and an amazing week. God bless you. We love you. And we'll talk to you next time. Hey, we are so honored that you are with us today. 
Remember, subscribe to the show and check out our website at cornerstonechurchco.com for more resources.